Good evening, good evening, good evening, Chicago. You are listening to Inspirational Perspective. I am your host, Emmanuel Leonard, sitting in for Linnell Harris, Chicago's very own life coach right here on WVON 1690 AM, The Talk of Chicago. Inspirational Perspective on your radio is all about murdering mediocrity and living the best life possible. So as Mr. Linnell Harris asks you every Saturday night at 10 p.m. Central Standard Time, are you living the best life possible? Seriously, think about that. Are you living the best life possible? If the answer is yes, keep listening. What you listen to on here will keep you on track. And if the answer is no, still keep listening. What you hear will make you so dissatisfied with that mediocre and toxic lifestyle that you can't help but change. Again, I am your host tonight, Emmanuel Leonard, and I serve as the Director of Creative Services for Inspirational Perspective. And I'll be sitting in for Linnell this week. Tonight, the topic is success part two. We are continuing this conversation and I've compiled some clips from past episodes of Inspirational Perspective where Linnell discussed success and how to achieve it in our lives. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I want to let you know to follow Linnell on social media. So get out your phone, get on your computer right quick and go to Facebook and like the Facebook page, Inspirational Perspective. You can also find Linnell on Twitter, Periscope, and Instagram at the handle Linnell Harris. And you spell his name L-I-N-A-L, Linnell Harris. You can also follow me, Emmanuel Leonard, at Keen Manny Leo. That's spelled K-I-N-G-M-A-N-N-Y-L-E-O. And you can also follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on Periscope. Um, so I encourage you to follow me. But enough about me. We're going to go straight into this topic of success. The first clip I'll play is from an episode called What Makes a Person Successful? It aired on June 8th, 2014. And last week I played a couple of clips from that episode. And to start that show, I'm going to play three more clips from that episode where Linnell was listing the 10 lessons of success. The first clip from this episode is about a plan. Linnell asked the question, what is your plan? What is your game plan? If you don't have one, it's time for you to make one. This is an important aspect of success. People have big ideas, but they don't know how to get there. This is why you need a plan. Your plan should include all the ways you intend to succeed. Number three, having a plan. So, What's your game plan? So you, you get an idea, you want to be successful or, or you want to do something. What's your game plan? You know, so this is to the young people out there and maybe some of us that are more mature. What is your plan? If you don't have a plan, make a plan. Have a plan to get your plan. If you need help, then reach out for help. But it is important to have a plan. And then once you have a plan, be sure to intimately know and understand your plan. Do you intimately know and understand your plan and how you're going to achieve what you achieve? Now, I want to be clear because a plan is typically what you can control, right? Or what you can see, the how that you can kind of mentally surmise in your own mind. And often... What I've noticed, and especially working with clients, they have these big ideas and they don't understand how. And so they have a hard time creating a plan. And you know what? I would say almost all the time, it's okay to build out where you are now and where you want to be and not necessarily have all the components of the how that will get you to where you want to be. It is the focus on the where you want to be that will begin to show you what the how is and what the very next step is. Hopefully I made that simple. But sometimes having a plan is simply affirming what it is that you want to do every day, even if you don't know how you're going to do it. Sometimes having a plan is simply putting something up on the vision board, not really clear how it's going to happen. But I'm going to look at this thing every day. I'm going to think on this thing and... Once the plan begins to come to me, 
I will take action. That's the key, right? So once the plan begins to come to you, you begin to take action. But number three is having a plan. You know, success is life's greatest game. And so your plan should include, you know, all the ways you plan on winning. It should include the strategy just in case you lose, which should include how you plan to win the next time. Okay. Because one of the the big parts of success is failure. And, And typically almost anybody who's been successful will share that. That's they've had some of their greatest learnings from failure. When I was in school working on my master's degree, it was important for me to have a plan for each day, for the week, for the month, for the whole year. There were different assignments and projects that had to be done by a certain time frame. Plus, I had commitments outside of school. It was important for me to have a plan so that I would successfully finish. I would not have finished if I didn't have a plan in place to help me to finish my degree and remain true to my other commitments. So this is why it's so important to have a plan. The next clip from that same episode, Linnell talks about passion. And he discusses about how if you're not passionate about something, you need to run. If you are not passionate, you'll become disengaged. Companies do not invest in employees who aren't passionate about what they are doing. Number six is passion. And I got to tell you, I haven't met a successful person yet who was not passionate about what they do every day. I just haven't. And if you aren't doing what you're passionate about, the best advice I can give you is to run and run quickly. Because what will happen is you'll end up becoming unengaged and eventually fail. Passionate people typically aren't targeted when companies evaluate their employees for layoffs. I'm not talking about people who think they're doing a good job or people who feel like, you know, the things wouldn't go the way they go at work if they weren't there. I'm not talking about them. okay? because that's different from being engaged and passionate. I'm talking about passionate people like typically companies figure out how we're going to keep this person. okay? when it comes down to uh, passion. And so I'm just saying passion is one of the major characteristics of success. Okay, so when I was working on my master's degree, I had this internship that I just was not passionate about at all. I came in each day and I I did the work that they gave me to do, but I was not enthusiastic about what I was doing. So when it came to the end of the year review, the internship didn't give me a good review because of my lack of enthusiasm, my lack of passion. I was not passionate about the work I was doing. Like Linnell said, even though I was getting the work done, I was disengaged. And although I didn't know it, it showed. Successful people are those who are passionate about what they're doing. They're engaged and it's important to them to see that the work they do succeeds. The final clip from the episode, What Makes a Person Successful, Linnell discusses how we want things to happen so quickly But success comes in steps, and we have to practice urgent patience. That's taking small steps, doing small things consistently that will eventually pay off. Now, success comes in small steps, not in leaps. Urgent patience is taking those intentional small steps. In this clip, he also shares a story about how he met a life coach who wanted to start a blog. She tried, but she didn't succeed because she didn't take the small steps she needed. Number 10 is urgent patience. Urgent patience. Success is every step you take forward, okay? So look at success in small steps. Don't look at it in terms of leaps. And often, you know, that's one of the reasons why we don't, we don't do well. Everybody wants to get rich quick. You know, everybody wants the easy scheme or, you know, the way that's around the process. There is no way around the process if you really want to be successful and stay successful. It typically comes in steps, not leaps. And so practice urgent patience. So what do I mean by urgent patience? Well, you know, taking small, urgent, steady steps in one direction can equate to a great distance over time. Again, that 2% I talked about earlier. So the idea here is to start chipping away 
at your own success today. What can you do different today with urgency, but with patience? Because this has got to be a daily grind. And it's interesting. Some time ago, I met a life coach. You know, I'm a life coach. It was a peer of mine. And we were having a conversation. And, you know, she was asking me, hey, how did you get your radio show? Blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you know, I think, you know, it all started kind of with a process. And I blogged and I ended up getting interviewed, blah, blah, blah. And so she said, I'm going to blog. And I said, okay. I'm like, but you have to do what works for you. Because I blog every week like clockwork all the time. And if I miss, I might miss two to three times a year. Like I'm going to miss maybe uh, in a couple of weeks because I'm on vacation. All right. And I'll, I won't have Internet access because I'm on a boat. But outside of that, I post. And so she went and she went hard and she was trying to get it all done. So she was posting every day. Well, she couldn't keep up the pace. And eventually there's nothing. There's nothing. And so what I mean by urgent patience is taking small steps, things that you can continually do consistently. Because again, if we go to number one, which was resilience, that's a huge part of it. The ability to not quit, but to persevere on. I read a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers. And in this book, Gladwell discussed how anyone who became the best at anything, took time to become that genius or expert they are. They remained consistent in their craft to become who they are today. They took small steps that led them to be the greatest at whatever they do right now. They had that urgent patience that Linnell is talking about right here in that clip. This next clip I'm about to play, or rather our producer is about to play, is from the episode, Who is the CEO of Your Life? And it aired on January 3rd, 2015. In this clip, Linnell discusses how the most successful people have developed strong habits that contributed to their success. Routine leads to healthy habits. You know, he says something that that is really important. And I was just listening to uh, it was NPR. I can't remember where I was headed, but it was, it was actually this week. And they were talking about success and and talking about the end of the year. And the radio host that was on was asking someone this question. And he was saying how in the study of some of the most successful people throughout time, what they found is those successful people had very strong routines where they kind of did the same things all the time. And as boring as that sounds, they had developed these habits and those habits came so strong that the building of whatever it is they were building, whether it was an organization or a concept or a brand, because they constantly just kind of kept the routine and how they built it and kept the routine and the rigor with which they went after it, they were able to accomplish quite a bit of success. And I'll tell you, that's a big deal. Having strong routine reminds me of urgent patience that we just talked about. Again, it's that practice of being consistent, persisting even when you don't want to do it anymore. A successful leader knows that creating healthy habits will pay off in the long run to accomplish whatever that they want to pursue, whatever things they want to pursue. They know that the healthy habits they build will contribute to whatever they put their mind to and it will lead them to success. This next clip is from the episode Success Versus Exhaustion. It aired on December 13th, 2014. And in this episode, Linnell talks about how he doesn't believe that people aren't successful because they're lazy. Rather, it's because they give too much time to the wrong things. We want to be up to the things that lead to our success, but we can't get to them Because we are too exhausted. This is what I'll say. I don't believe that people aren't successful because at the core, they're just lazy. I don't believe that. I actually believe quite the opposite. I believe people are not successful because they give way too much of their time to the wrong things. And so when I say things, you could could drop a lot of things into... Uh, a lot of stuff into that particular category or, or into that word. But these things absorb our energy without us even realizing that 
it's taking from us because a lot of this stuff we do out of mere habit. And these habits actually rob us of our dreams. These habits actually rob us of our goals and our aspirations because they drain us so completely until we're too exhausted to do the work that really matters most in our lives. And this is the work that we really want to be up to, right? These are the things that inspire us, that, that actually spark a flame and causes us to you know, feel some type of passion. But we can't get to them. And part of the reason we can't get to them because, one, we're too busy, right? Too busy to be successful. We talked about that. And we're too exhausted. So what is eating up your time? What is getting in the way of your success and causing exhaustion? Is it television? Is it your social media? Is it your phone? Distractions come and take up our valuable time when our minds can be focused on our dreams and the goals that we have for ourselves. I challenge you to examine your life and see what is eating up your valuable time and making you exhausted. I bet it's something unnecessary and I bet it's impeding on what you want to accomplish in your life. This next clip is from the episode, Would You Bet on Yourself? And it aired in March 2016. In this episode, Linnell discussed how throughout his corporate journey, companies invested in him so that he became a more valuable employee. Companies are willing to invest in employees, yet when it comes to our dreams and our aspirations, we're unwilling to invest in ourselves. We have to be willing to invest the time and money in ourselves. As an entrepreneur, Linnell takes what he's learned in corporate America and applies it to his life and to his business. If a company trusted him to be an executive in their company with millions of dollars, why would he do anything different for his own company? Do you have 2017 goals and success factors for your own personal development? If you do, you will experience the ROI or return on investment, the ROI that you see in Linnell on his blog, on his radio show and in his workshop, he does all of these. They're all a part of the investments that he puts in himself. Throughout my corporate and professional journey, the companies I worked for, they invested in me. They invested in my leadership. I attended countless conferences, seminars, and educational workshops because these companies were willing to invest in me. Some of you work for companies that are willing to invest in you, but when it comes down for you doing what you want to do for your dreams, you are not willing to invest in yourself. And it breaks my heart. Because we can't get where we want to go unless we're willing to invest the time, willing to invest the money. And I'll tell you, over the years, as an entrepreneur, I've taken the business lesson of self-development that I learned in corporate America, and I applied it to my personal endeavors. And I believe it's one of the reasons, as an entrepreneur, I've been successful. Because I took the things that I learned in corporate America and I applied them to my business. If I work for a $4.5 billion company and they trusted me to be an officer of that company, a senior executive and leader of that company with hundreds of millions of dollars in P&L, then why would I do anything different when it comes to my company? Why would I do anything different? And why are you doing anything different? If you work right now in corporate America, you have 2016 goals. You have 2016 critical success factors. And the question becomes, do you have 2016 goals and 2016 critical success factors for yourself? Scratch work for your own personal development. That's the question. Because if you do, you will experience the ROI. And if you don't, 
then no money in, no money out. That's how it works. The ROI on all that is what you see today in Linnell Harris, what you read on the blog, inspirationalperspective.com, what you hear on this radio show every Saturday evening on WVON 1690 AM at 10 p.m., what you learn in my workshops, what you've read is a part of those investments. This week I was thinking about the type of investments I make. I tend to invest in my spiritual development, my educational development, and my relational development, relationships. And as a result, I have seen growth in those areas. Now, you have to be willing to sacrifice what it takes to make the investments in order to see growth and success. What type of investments have you made in yourself? And are you making the right type of investments? If you're just joining us, you are listening to Inspirational Perspective on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I'm your host, Emmanuel Leonard, Director of Creative Services for Inspirational Perspective, sitting in for Linnell Harris. Tonight's topic is success part two. I've compiled clips from different episodes of Inspirational Perspective where Linnell discussed this topic. This next clip is from the episode, The Information Age, Part 3. It aired on September 6, 2014. And in this clip, Linnell shares five ways to successfully manage your media. Now, managing your media is an important aspect of success. The first one that you'll hear is about knowing your limit. If you find that you're having a problem with social media, set a time limit for yourself. Set a limit and stick to it. The second is to know your vision. Visionary leaders have their own vision. Don't allow companies to tell you how to act or how to drink or how to think, etc. The third one is find a media mentor. If you're consuming media, is it valuable media? Is it media that will benefit you for the future? The fourth is know your priorities. What are your top 10 priorities for this week, for the month, for the year? Does it include spending time on media? And finally, the fifth is know your media. What is your media telling you? And what is your media suggesting? I've identified five ways to help you successfully manage your media. So I'm going to start with number one, okay? Number one is know your limit. Unfortunately, regardless of how shocking, funny, informative, or helpful the information you find or see on your media channels may be, you can't see it all. You just can't. You can't see it all. All right. You can't see every news feed. You can't see every picture. You can't see every tweet. You can't watch every video. You can't watch every show on television. And so since you can't see it all, it's a mistake to even try. So what I would say is if you find that you're having a problem with social media management, it may be time to set a media threshold for each day. And so an example would be maybe one hour of media per day. So, you know, during a week, you only spend one hour, maybe 15 minutes when you wake up, 30 minutes at lunch, 30 minutes, you know, at some point before dinner, after dinner, etc. I know somebody's like, are you kidding me? One hour. <laughs> Cause I know, I know some of y'all spend hours a day on social media. I'm sorry. If you're spending hours a day on social media, then that's what's running your life. You're not running your own life and you should be trying to figure out what you want to do, how to go after your purpose and, and basically looking at mediums that will get you there versus get you to the end of a laugh. I'm just saying, okay? So just remember, media includes television too. So when I said one hour of media, I was talking about TV too. Now, I know people are like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right, so, so then you have to set your own. So if that's not realistic, what I'm saying is set a threshold. Maybe for you it's two hours. Like limiting it to two hours may actually be a benefit for you. Whatever that is, set a realistic threshold and stick to it. Stick to it. And then on the weekend, 
Maybe you expand it. Maybe it's four hours on the weekend. I'm saying two hours Saturday and two hours on Sunday. I know some of y'all thinking four hours for the whole day. (laughs) We know, but like I said, set the threshold and then stick to it and track it. Track it. Okay. All right. That's number one. Know your limit. Number two is know your vision. I put this on the, uh, on the post for the show tonight. Visionary leaders have their own visions. So you have to be careful how much tell of vision you watch or eventually your vision will be the vision you've been told to have. Period. That's it. Like if you don't have your own vision, if you're not trying to, to run your own life and you're using all these mediums, like you're spending all this time on these mediums, believe me, They're telling you what to look like, what to wear, what to eat, all of it. I mean, that's what they're that's what they're doing. If you're looking at the videos and that's all you look at, they're teaching you how to dress. They're teaching you how to talk. I mean, that's just that's what it is at the end of the day. All right. So you have to know your own vision. What are you up to? Do your media habits align with your goals and ambitions? Are you using your media outlets as a tool to source your endeavors or are the media outlets using you? I don't know about you, but Olivia Pope hasn't put any money in my pockets. I've said that a few times on this show. On the other hand, Kerry Washington is getting paid very well for you to watch her play Miss Pope. So who's fulfilling whose vision here? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. Number three. Find a media mentor. All right. Find a media mentor. So what do I mean? Think about this. How much time do you think Oprah Winfrey spends listening to Beyonce Knowles? And I know I'm about to hit on something here. Okay. But how much time, because we aspire to her or, you know, she's somebody that we can look up to in the African-American community because of what she's accomplished, all right? And so when you look at someone like that and you say, hey, I want to ball out like that, I want to have swag like that, then that means you might want to, you might have to do some of the things they do. So I'm asking you, how much time do you think Oprah Winfrey spends listening to Beyonce Knows? Now, she might check out a song or two, and she's even been on the show, right, back when Oprah had the show. But you can be for sure that she's not listening to Beyonce all day long. (laughs) And you might say, Linnell, how do you know that? I know this because of her output. I know this because of her output. If all she listened to was Beyonce, then all she would talk about would be Beyonce. Hmm. So I might just hit on somebody because if that's all you talk about, then that's all you doing. Beyonce living her life. What you going to do? I'm just asking. It's that simple. Tell me your inputs and I can predict your outputs. Okay. A few years ago, I downloaded a bunch of Earl Nightingale talks on success and I listened to his talks every day. I listened on the way to work. I listened to listen to his talks on the way home from work. And then I would listen to his talks at home. I made Earl Nightingale my media mentor purposely because I wanted to know everything he had to say about success. What do you want to know? And who should be your media mentor? Like, think about it that way. And so if you want to know how to do something in particular, then who are you watching in the media or who's your media mentor that you're going to learn from? Like, make this work for you. Make this information age work for you. Make the fact that we're all connected work for you and make them your media mentor. Earl Nightingale I mean, he's back from the 50s and 60s, but I've learned a whole lot from that cat. And the same thing, I can go down the name, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Les Brown, <laughs> you know, all these guys. I haven't met them, but they're my mentors nonetheless, right? Napoleon Hill, I can go through the list. So who's your mentor? You know, set it up where you can learn from them, all right? Number four, know your priorities. Now, I've been guilty of perusing Facebook as soon as I wake up in the morning, and more than likely you have too, all right? Okay, so I'll admit it. There's something about having messages and notifications that make Facebook seem like a top priority. Like, oh, okay, I got some notifications. I need to check them. 
But the truth is, Facebook should only be a priority for one guy, and that's Mark Zuckerberg, (laughs) because he's the one getting the money for everything that we do. And so despite that fact, this young man has somehow tipped the scales on what matters most to some of us. And so it might be, it just might be time we all pay more attention to the real priorities that we have in this journey called life. And so I'll ask you some questions because I bet you know a whole lot about what's going on 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 your Facebook page and a whole lot of other people's Facebook page. But do you know the answers to these questions? What are your top 10 priorities for this upcoming week? Top 10 priorities, top 10 things that you need to have done. What are your top 10 priorities for this month? Just for the month. Like here are the things that I want to make sure I have done for the month. But better yet, what are your top 10 priorities for this year? At the beginning of 2014, what did you commit to? And did you do it? Or do you even know what those priorities are? I'll make a blind bet that they don't include losing time on mindless media. But if we were to measure out how much time we spend on this media versus actually using it to some type of end, it would probably far outweigh the unconscious time we've used on this media would far outweigh the conscious time where we were actually using it to gain traction in our lives. That's what I'm looking at. Okay. Number five, number five is know your media. And this is crucial because all media carries with it a message. So what is your media telling you? That song you love so much. What is it really saying or suggesting? Does that suggestion line up with what you want to do and how you want to live? Maybe your media isn't suggesting anything at all. Maybe it's just suggesting that you laugh. That's fine. Just remember, a mind that is constantly entertained becomes a lazy and passive mind. So, What is your media suggesting? And this is huge because sometimes we get so caught up in the beat of a song and how it sounds and how it feels. And we, you know, we tap, we tap our feet to the beat. We move our head. But what is that song saying? What is it putting in your space? What is it putting on your mind? What is it feeding your subconscious? That's the question. Because then sometimes when we act out in ways that we don't necessarily understand, it's because a seed was planted some time ago based on what we're letting in our heads. Again, inputs, outputs, control your media. If you control your media, you can control your mind. Think about that because some of you are saying, well, I have a hard time doing this. I have a hard time doing that. If you can control your media, then you can begin controlling your mind. And if you can control your mind, you can begin controlling your world. The great people we admire know this. You should too. I'm telling you, they control their media. They control their minds and therefore they can control their worlds. And that is why often we look up to them. We say they are who we can label as successful. You want to be successful? All you have to do is follow the format. Control your media, control your mind, control your world. I really um, appreciate. There's a lot of good nuggets in there, by the way. I really like that clip, but I really appreciated the part about having a media mentor. We, you know, we talked about inputs and outputs a couple of weeks ago, and we learned the value of healthy inputs. There is some great content out there that can benefit our lives. For example, content like this, Inspirational Perspective, right here on WVON. But I have learned a lot through other resources, through podcasts, through YouTube videos that teach you practical skills that are useful in the real world for your success. So check what your media inputs are, what your who your media mentor is. And this final clip for tonight, it's from the episode 
Leadership Part 3, and it aired May 24, 2014. And in this clip, Linnell shares seven skills a 21st century leader needs to succeed. The first is to understand how what's happening now will predict what will happen later. The second is to know the importance of self-care. The third is being competent enough to be vulnerable and authentic. The fourth is appreciating differences. The fifth is leaders lead by example. The sixth is leaders are technically savvy. And the seventh is always learning. Here are the seven skills a 21st century leader will need to succeed. And the first is a 21st century leader must understand how what's happening now will predict and impact what will happen later. And I I just opened up with that a moment ago, right? Are you anticipating the future? I can't express how concerning it is for me when I work with leaders and I realize that they're so caught up in fighting fires and not adequately thinking about strategy for how they will lead through the technological changes that are happening. I've also shared that within the black community in particular, one of the things I'm most worried about is we already have a gap, right? An economic gap, which is typically the consequence of knowledge. My opinion, knowledge is typically, you know, what causes the gap, right? And as technology continues to progress, my take on it is that if we don't begin to close the gap and really understand and take advantage of technology, and that doesn't mean just to be a user, but to really understand it and understand the trend. All right, so let's move to number two. Number two is knows the importance of self-care. And (laughs) here's the deal. The stress of leading in this fast-paced environment, ever-changing environment of today's marketplace, can be downright impossible. And that's why any leader that wants to be consistently successful has to be sure to focus on their well-being. It's interesting. Tonight, I was out for a run, and I I was just thinking about, so what is it that causes a person to be completely fulfilled, right? Because life is complex. And as I was thinking about it, one of the things that came to mind is, all right, well, the human body has, you know, four major, you know, chemical components or hormones, whatever you want to call them, that basically has a lot to do with our overall social interactions as human beings. And endorphins is one of them, right? But endorphins typically are that thing or that hormone that is released when we exercise. <laughs> and so, you know, I can, I'm not going to go into all of it now. It actually, it'd probably be a blog later. But you have, you know, you have endorphins, you have dopamines, uh, serotonin, cortisol. Cortisol is a stress. That's what the other four, the oxytonin, those four are trying to keep the cortisol, which basically, you know, in some ways trying to keep that cortisol off. But self-care is really the ability to ensure that all those chemicals are doing the right things in your body so you are properly taken care of. Like, as the leader, you are in good shape. Pun intended. (laughs) And so that's why I think any leader that wants to be consistently successful has to be sure to focus on their well-being. Well-being is huge, especially in this environment. Nothing will prevent a leader from rising to the occasion like stress, coupled with fatigue. And, you know, I think all of you all could agree that when you are fatigued, you are more likely to be short. You're more likely to make quick decisions, more likely to jump to an emotional conclusion. And so if you're leading something, more than likely, that's probably not a good place to be. And so as a leader, you have to lead yourself to bed. Make sure you're getting adequate sleep. Make sure you're getting adequate exercise. I think one of the things that we don't realize is that 20% of the body's energy is consumed daily by the brain. 
So whether or not you, you, you might be like, okay, I sit in the office. I don't have to necessarily worry about being that fatigued. Yes, you do. You actually may be more fatigued than an individual who is doing manual labor, right? Their body may be tired, but their mind may not. Where in your case, your mind is tired. And what do you think you're going to get the next decision? So I'm sure that, you know, that percentage jumps a bit when you're solving complex business problems all day. I mean, so 20% just based on, you know, the body, you know, the, that's the energy that the brain consumes. Now, you know, add on complex problems and decision making all day, you're more than likely using much more than 20%. So good leaders don't check out of the game because they don't care. My belief is they check out the game because they're fatigued or they're sick. And sickness is a way of checking out. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a coach, typically when I have a client that's sick, I'm like, all right, let's take a look. Like, what's going on? More than likely, you know, it was a physical manifestation of checking out of a particular uh, problem or a challenge of some sort. Uh, the body has a unique way of doing that for us. All right, so I'm going to move on to number three. Number three is confident enough to be vulnerable and authentic. And I've said this before, but as human beings, we're adept at identifying a fraud and nobody wants to follow a fraud. Nobody. So it's funny to me when leaders believe they can deceive their teams into thinking they're being real when they're not really being real, you know, people will eventually find out that, you know, you're being a fraud. And when they do, you will lose the respect of the individuals you're trying to lead. And once you lose the respect, it is becomes very difficult to lead anybody anywhere. As leaders, we often ask our employees to take risk or to take the risk of bearing their souls to us and telling us what's wrong, telling us when we when they need help. Yet we refuse to basically live that example or lead by example when it comes to us. So as a leader, can I say, hey, you know what? I don't know the answer to that or I'm going to need your help. Because being a leader is not having all the answers. It's actually being confident and real enough to admit that you don't. And nothing can undermine a leader more than being fake. And so if you've been fake, if you're guilty of not being authentic, get real. It's the best advice I have for you. All right. Number four, appreciating differences. You know, so a lot of you guys know that professionally, you know, so I'm a Fortune 500 executive chief diversity officer. And this is the work that I do. The 21st century workplace is already diverse, but within the next decade, it will be even more diverse. And so workplace diversity is partly a consequence of globalization and the United States changing demographics. And it's not going to change, right? It's moving the other way. The minority is quickly becoming the majority in the United States, as evidenced in the last election. So as more companies begin to understand the tangible link between their workforce diversity and overall profitability, these companies will push to have more diversity at all levels of their organization, right? I mean, that's just the best thing to do if you want to go to market and people actually buy your products and have products that actually meet the needs of the diverse community. And so leaders that lack a competence in inclusion will eventually find themselves unmarketable despite the other expertise they may have. And I, I think it's just that clear cut and dry. And you see it happening already. You can be the owner. And if you don't have this competence, the ability to appreciate differences, then, you know, you can lose what you own, as we see in the case of Donald Sterling. I would not be surprised if we see more of that. So, you know, I'm talking to a largely diverse community. You may say to yourself, well, I'm good. Ah, not so quick because inclusion is a competence. And so since it's a competence, that means that it's a skill. And so just because you may be black, just because you may be Hispanic, just because you may be a woman does not mean that you've mastered that competence. It takes work. 
And so even you need to make sure that you you have a clear take on the competence. All right. Number five, as we kind of go into the home stretch, a leader that leads all the time, not just when it's convenient. OK, I could spend the whole show on that. But here's the long and short. Right. In reference to time. Great leaders don't wait around for the optimal situation or circumstance to lead. Instead, they step into chaos and mayhem to lead and problem solve, thereby bringing about order. That's what a leader does. It's not, ah, well, you know, I would, but the the right people aren't over there, or I would if I had more resources, or I would if this, or I would if that. Real leaders, leaders who are ready for the challenges of the 21st century, lead all the time, not just when it's convenient. They step in, they lead, hands down. And if there's, I think, any of these that is the most challenging, it's probably that one. Number six, a leader is technically, in the 21st century, is technically savvy. Technically savvy. So right now, if you're you're like, I'm a leader, I do this, I let everybody else handle my technical stuff, then you are... You are basically setting yourself up for failure in this era. Yeah, we're only 13 years in, but if you plan on being around in the next decade, you might want to get started on increasing your overall technical acumen because we live in a brand new era. I mean, the industrial revolution is over. We are two and a half decades into the information age. Computers, mobile devices, the World Wide Web and social media are the cornerstones of this era. And almost 100% of all Fortune 500 companies play in or on the four cornerstones I just mentioned. They all play. They play with computers, they play with mobile devices, and they play with the World Wide Web and in social media. And so if you aren't, then what basically sets you apart from what large companies can do? It's an imperative now that as an individual that you're astute enough to begin to build your own brand. So how can any leader expect to advance, grow and develop if they refuse to learn how to use all these tools proficiently? You know, it's amazing to me how many leaders I know who they still haven't really figured out LinkedIn. All right. Now, it's cool if you're about to retire. But if you plan on being in the workforce and being relevant in the next five to 10 years, you got to figure this out. So when you refuse to use a smartphone. When you refuse to get on Facebook, when you refuse to get on LinkedIn and or Twitter, you're not hurting anybody but yourself. You are damaging your own relevance as a marketable leader in the next decade. (laughs) So my message to you is stop fooling yourself and change. Now, number seven, always learning. All right. And if you're listening to this show, that means you're doing a good job of that. But the long and short here. There's been more data produced in the last two years than what was produced in all time. So I started the show talking about the Paleolithic age, right? So you can go back to recorded time and there's been more data produced in the last two years than all of the data up to that point. So, you know, so taking to why you swallow that, it's important for us to understand We'll never be able to absorb all the information that is at our fingertips. But we can use the Internet as a tool to become experts at our craft. And, you know, I know this personally. Google is an amazing teacher. And if you're willing to spend the time in her classroom, then you will always be learning, always basically taking yourself to the next level. So that was from the episode Leadership Part 3 that aired on May 24, 2014, where Linnell talked about seven skills a 21st century leader needs to succeed. And just to summarize what he said, he talked about how the first one was to understand how what's happening now will predict what will happen later. Some leaders are so caught up in taking out fires instead of making strategy. In the black community, there is an economic gap because of a lack of knowledge. If we're not taking advantage of technology, we'll be left behind. The second one he mentioned was know the importance of self-care. He talked about how a leader who wants to be successful 
successful must focus on well-being. The third he mentioned was being competent enough to be vulnerable and authentic. Leaders who are successful, you can't deceive people into thinking that you are being authentic. They'll know you're a fraud. We have to lead by example. Admitting that you don't have all the answers is not a bad thing because if you are fake, you're undermining your own respect. A successful leader knows how to appreciate differences, he mentioned. He talked about how the minority is becoming the, ma- the majority and companies have to, change, have to change to adapt to the changing demographics. Leaders need to appreciate differences. He also talked about um, the fifth one, which is leaders that they lead all of the time. Um, the sixth one he mentioned was leaders have to be technically savvy. You're setting yourself up for failure, he said, if you're not on top of this. And if you aren't doing tech, you are failing because how can you expect to advance if you haven't learned everything? And then the seventh final one that he mentioned was always learning. There's been more data in the last two years than was produced in all time. And he talked about how Google is an amazing teacher. And if you spend time in her classroom, you will always be learning. You will always be going to that next level. And so that's the show for tonight, guys. Um, we talked about success and we looked at a variety of clips about success. We talked about having a plan and having passion and having urgent patience, knowing the value of that. We talked about having a strong routine. We talked about giving up time to the wrong things and instead of being lazy, giving time to the wrong things. We talked about a return on the investments, the investments we make in ourselves to succeed in life. And we also talked about five ways to successfully manage media. And then finally, we talked about um, the seven skills uh, a 21st century leader needs to succeed. And so that's our show for tonight. Chicago It has been a privilege to be on here. Thank you for listening. For those who haven't done it yet, go to the Inspirational Perspective Facebook page and like the page. Follow Linnell Harris on social media at Linnell Harris. That's L-I-N-A-L Harris. You can also find him on Periscope, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter with that handle. 